Welcome to the Goddesses of Social Work podcast, hosted by Renita Ray Davis, licensed clinical social worker, board-approved social work clinical supervisor, and facilitator of the Goddesses of Social Work supervision community. Join us as we travel through the social work journeys told by the Goddesses of Social Work community members, past and present, as they make their way toward clinical licensure. Welcome to the Goddesses of Social Work podcast. I'm here today with Tamika Teague, LICSW. Tamika A. Teague, a unique and God-fearing individual, thrives in her purpose as a licensed independent clinical social worker. With her empathic approach and extensive training, Tamika is a trusted professional, empowering individuals to navigate life's complexities and attain lasting wellness. Tamika earned a bachelor's degree in rehabilitation from Troy University, Troy, and went on to achieve a master's degree in social work from Florida State University, showcasing her commitment to academic excellence in the field. With nearly two decades of experience in the social service field, Tamika focuses on the nonprofit sector, specializing in children and families. In the last four years, she dedicated her expertise to medical social work. Throughout her career, Tamika garnered various certifications and awards, with the most recent achievement being her LICSW. Tamika also proudly holds the diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace certification from the University of South Florida MUMA College of Business. She is poised to contribute to this vital aspect in the future. As a servant leader, Tamika actively engages as a local advisory member for the Boys and Girls Club, a board member for LEAD, the Antioch Project Incorporation, and volunteers extensively with her church, children's schools, and community. In her leisure time, Tamika finds joy and cherishes family moments, delving into financial literacy, mentoring aspiring social workers, immersing herself in reading, connecting with nature, and embracing various self-care activities. Married to her middle school sweetheart for almost 18 years, Tamika and her husband are blessed with two wonderful children, ages 14 and 5. Welcome to the show, Tamika. Thank you so much for inviting me. Tamika, reading your bio, one of the first things that jumped out to me was it just seems like you are very clear in your goals and the direction you are headed in your career. Where does that clear direction come from? Well, um, Renita, I would have to say that my direction comes from God. I am super spiritual um, and I'm I'm just a vessel here who's planted to do the work that he has designed for me to do. And I feel that social work is missionary work. So I feel that I'm definitely on the right path. I agree. I used to say, <laughs> I haven't said it in a while, but I did used to say that uh, Jesus was a social worker because he was out there on the shore with the prostitutes and the drug dealers and the money addicts and the gamblers and all of that. And so, yeah, I can totally agree with you that I think social work is definitely a mission work. I'm also, when reading your bio, Tamika, about delving into financial literacy, I actually interviewed somebody yesterday who also um, does a lot of work with financial uh, literacy within her community. And I'm, I guess I'm wondering, how did that happen for you? And are you seeing it uh, bleed into your social work career? 
Well, I have to say that um, I've always been um, a saver. Um, I came from a single family home, a single parent home, excuse me. And my mom worked really, really hard to take care of me and my two siblings. Um, and as a result, she taught us to save. She taught us not to spend everything we we earned. She taught us to, you know, pay our tithes and things like that. So um, as I got older, I always knew that I wanted to save money. I don't like to depend on other people for anything. So it's it it turned into a life lesson, but um, it's it's something that I hold near and dear to me, and it's also something that I teach my children. It's something that I'll teach anyone who's honestly willing to listen. Um, I talk to to my family a lot about, you know, financial literacy. I read lots and lots of books, listen to lots of podcasts, YouTube videos, anything that I can get my hands on that will help me get to my goal, which is financial freedom. You know, um, I'm interested in, in learning more and reading about. Right. And taking in all of that knowledge, I am just imagining that you can't help because I know was a lot of our clients are in poverty, right? We work with disenfranchised folks. And so we, I'm sure you are seeing with the wealth of knowledge you've gained about financial literacy, how if there was some financial literacy within um, services that we provide for our clients that could probably empower them and help them with better quality living. Are you able to, to give that to your clients at all? Absolutely. Um, budgeting is, is something mm-hmm. that I speak with my clients about when I do my um, psychosocial assessments and things like that. So if they're interested, I'm definitely um, trying to help them create a budget. Um, and I also share different resources that I have learned about with my clients as well so that they can go beyond, you know, that budgeting piece. One of the things that um, I recall her saying was that she could see the psychological hurt that some clients have when they're talking about money issues. And I'm wondering, like when you're offering tips or suggestions about budgeting, is there is there resistance and do you feel like it really is an emotional or psychological resistance? Yes, definitely. Um, sometimes, you know, you have have clients who have um you know, been in poverty their entire life. So I definitely see it, um, see some resistance occasionally, but I also see some who are interested in learning more about, you know, financial literacy and wanting to turn their lives around, you know, as it relates to their finances. That's awesome. I I really, there's a social work certification that Rita Wolfson um, has. I actually have have all the manuals over there they need to be right here (laughs) but um i i hope to see and hear more about social workers being more involved in the financial literacy with their client i think that is really how we'll work ourselves out of a job right absolutely i actually attended a um, social work um wealth conference back in i want to say it was november it was very impactful 
um, Stedman. He was one of the keynote speakers at the conference, did an amazing job. So um, I learned a lot at that conference. Lots of social workers. Um, Stacy, the lady that created the pita chips, she was also a keynote speaker who's a social worker. Um, so it was it was pretty interesting. And I, I hope to go in the future. That was with the rich social worker, wasn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, she's she's really catching some traction as well. So that's really good to hear and and encouraging to hear as well. And I love it. The rich social worker. We should all just put that on our vision board. I am a rich social worker. That is awesome. Tamika, tell me about your social work journey. How'd you get here and where do you want to go? Well, <laughs> I actually took the long route here. Um after graduating from Troy with my undergrad, I actually, you know, like you mentioned in my bio, I graduated with a, a bachelor's in rehabilitation. And um, I started out in nursing school when um, I declared my major at Troy. And I had two semesters left and no social life. And what social worker isn't social? <laughs> so I decided, you know, this is too much stress. And I am too social to, to, you know, stay tucked off somewhere studying. So I decided to change my major. And when I went to the, um, the social work department to declare my major as a social worker, I spoke with the, um, the chair of the department and he, and he explained the process with the interview and it honestly freaked me out. So I decided, uh-oh, this is not what I'm going to do. So fear led me away from my desire to um, become a social worker initially. Um, and after that, I spoke with another professor who, who spoke with me about a, being a rehab major and I ended up getting a scholarship and a stipend. And, you know, that was so attractive to me at the time. But as you know, after I graduated and got into the field, it was so unfulfilling to me. So um, I ended up in the social service field. I worked for um, my local child advocacy center for 13 years. And I absolutely loved everything about social work. I worked around several social workers. Um, and after nine years of being out of um, school, I decided to go back and get my master's in what I initially started way back when at Troy State. And um, it was the best decision I could have ever made. The journey was sweatless. Um, I had things that came up that presented themselves as a stumbling block and God removed it every single time from not scoring the correct score on the um what is it the is it GMAT um exam to um missing the deadline but still getting my information walked over and getting accepted to stressing out because it had been nine years and my program was a um an online program and, you know, countless nights crying to my husband, like, oh, my God, I can't do this. It's been so long to making straight A's throughout my entire program. I mean, everything was sweatless and it operated in perfect alignment for me. So I obtained the social work degree. 
I waited um, approximately three years before getting my license just out of fear again and listening to what other people said about the licensure exam. And I just want to put a quarter in the meter and park right here and let everyone who's listening to this know that um, just because someone says that the test was hard for them doesn't mean it's going to be hard for you. Um, so I just want to encourage everyone to try, just give it a shot and keep trying till you see what you want, um, which would be your license. Um, but if you don't mind, Renita, ask me that second part of the question, because I got off on my tangent and I, I've forgotten. We put a quarter in the meter. I love <laughs> that. I will use that phrase in future sessions. Actually, I want to go back. I'm kind of glad we paused because I did have a question before we get too much further down your social work journey. You you switched. You were like, okay, no, nursing is not for me. You knew you went directly to the social work school, social work, I'm assuming. And I, I get it that you were scared, but I, I'm wondering, how did you even know about the social work major? How did you know that that would have been, even though you got scared, how did you know that would have been the major for you is what I'm wondering. Well, I have a cousin. Well, I have several cousins who are social workers, but one, um, the one that inspired me the most, her name is Linda Carter. She, um, she always, you know, shared the different things that she did along her social work journey. Um, of course, she's worked for um, the Department of Human Resources for Ooh, about 30, 25, 30 years now. So, um, and she's worked other areas of social work as well, but that's been her main role. Um, she's always inspired me. So she's honestly the reason um, I wanted to go into social work. Shout out to cousin Linda. That is awesome. And every time I get a chance, it's almost like with the military, I often just want to stop and just thank those workers who work at DHR DFACS and just say thank you because that's difficult work and it's hard work. And so mm -hmm. for her to be able to be there 20, 30 years and still be so inspiring, she must be an amazing person. She is. She is phenomenal. She's such a giver, um, has a heart of gold. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you got your license. It took you three years out of fear. I love that you put that quarter in the meter and I was like I didn't do it because I heard it was hard so why even bother but then you got your license your LMSW and so then what was next on your social work journey after um getting my LMSW I of course um reached out to you after seeing you on black girls in social work and um, it was one of the best decisions that I ever made because you have done some amazing work in my life um, through my two years of supervision. So after supervision, of course, my goal was to immediately go on and get my clinical license. But I actually waited a few months, but the goal was to get it before 2023 ended and I I received it on December the 2nd, 2023. So that was the next goal. That is awesome. And, you know, you came back and talked to us about your experience and you don't have to, you know, take up too much of our time together. But what was your experience taking the clinical exam? Because one of the things that I love that I'm hearing from you is you passed your LMSW on the first try. And I know you passed your clinical. 
on the first try. And so for those who are continue, who are at the LMSW level, who are wanting to go ahead and pursue that clinical and haven't done it yet, because I hear too, a lot of folks get their hours and then they don't, they don't take that next and final step, which is to take the um, clinical exam. What was that experience like for you? Again, um, the reason that I postponed it was because of hearing people say, so bottom line, I'm not listening to people and what they have to say when it comes to major decisions in my life. Um, but it was sweatless. It, it appeared to be the same test, to be honest with you. But again, you have to understand me as an individual. And I know that you understand, but I want to paint the picture for the listeners. Um, I am God-fearing and I believe in writing the goal down and making it plain Habakkuk two and two. And I also believe in affirmations. So I wrote out several affirmations and I actually reflected a couple of days ago on a letter that I wrote myself a few days before taking my LMSW, as well as the one that I wrote and shared with you guys um, in the Goddesses of Social Work. So I, I wrote letters stating that, you know, this was going to be my last day or X amount of days until I become whatever credential I wanted. Um, every chance I got, I wrote my credentials behind my name. Um, I meditated on scriptures and things like that. But I just and I also studied so so that um, everyone knows I didn't just go in and take the test. I did study. But honestly, I, I felt like it was I studied way too much. The majority, like I would say probably 75% of the information that I studied was not on the test. The code of ethics um, was really, really heavy on that test. Absolutely. And you know, I love that you brought the code of ethics up because, you know, you, you talked a lot about your own um, spirituality, but I, for social workers, I think that our code of ethics is the other Bible we need to have on our desk as well. And so if that is something you do not have, that you're not reading on a religious basis, <laughs> that if passing the test is, um, it's important to read the NASW Code of Ethics, not just to pass the test, but also just in the remainder of your career. So I hope even though now you are Tamika Teague, L-I-C-S-W, I hope you keep that Code of Ethics uh, near and dear to your heart. So Absolutely. Tamika, yeah. You're here now, you're LICSW for what, a couple a couple months now or right at a month now, right? Or a little over. Um, it's a big landscape out there in this social work field with that clinical behind your name. What do you have any idea what you want to do next? Well, um, as I previously mentioned, you know, um, God is is the pilot <laughs> and I'm just sitting over here relaxing. I'm not even going to claim to be the co-pilot. So um, I'm just I'm just going to operate in whatever way he leads me. Um, I honestly love my job that I have now. I am interested in creating multiple streams of income. So I'm not against anything Um per se, but I am not going to just jump out and do whatever it is that I want to do. I'm going to, I have to be led. So I'll seek him first. But um, if, 
if you're asking what I desire to do, <laughs> which he, he is concerned about those things that concern me, <laughs> um, I am interested in taking a, a non-traditional um, route. You preach that so much in our supervision group. And it just sparked my interest. So I'm interested in taking a non-traditional route. I am not one to fit in anybody's box. Okay. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm interested in, you know, starting like a mentorship program um, on an even larger scale than what I currently do. I am interested in um, therapy on the side, not, you know, my full time job or anything. I am, you know, interested in, you know, some co consulting things like that. So those are things that I'm interested in, but we're going to just have to see whatever I do. It has to um, be very peaceful and provides me with the freedom that I enjoy. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm so glad you, me, you've talked about this in the past too. I, I, I have been a clinical social worker for over a decade now. And I remember I didn't have any plans. I was just like, it's time for me to take my test. And I took it. And I remember all of a sudden I got all of these offers. They just came out of just offer, 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 offer. And I didn't have any idea what I wanted to do or be or go. And I allowed others to kind of pressure me into taking the path that they thought was best for me. And so, you know, we've talked about this before. And one of the things that I'm really just uh, amazed by and inspired by with you is that you're like, no, I'm going to make sure it's a perfect fit for me, that it's in alignment with what I want to do and where you are with your family life and also within your career um, and not just be overwhelmed with all the offers that end up coming out of the woodworks once you get your clinical license because they come out of the woodwork, right? Yes, I've already experienced it. So um yeah. definitely gonna do what what aligns with me and my family. My family is like top, top concern for me. So I'm not going to, you know, do anything that's that's gonna pull me away from them, you know, more than what I'm already pulled away from them with, you know, my normal eight to five. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really glad <laughs> that to see new LICSWs taking their time and not jumping on all the offers that we get. So I just wanted to throw that out there for our audience members, like take your time, listen to Tamika, don't do what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So Tamika, you know, you are part of our goddesses of social work community. You are such a leader. I heard you talk about your plans for mentorship, which I'm loving, and the social workers who um, end up being served by you are going to just thrive in this profession. And so I guess, you know, like one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast was because I realized the importance of community with other social workers. And so I guess I'm interested in what social work communities do you currently belong to? What communities um, that have social workers in them have you perhaps created? And what have you learned about yourself or the profession um, by being in these communities? Well, um, 
I, of course, I'm a part of the goddesses of social workers, mm -hmm. um, social work. And I'm just so excited about you allowing us to still be in community with you and so many other amazing social workers. So thank you for never, <laughs> you know, kicking us out and leaving us to, you know, fly on our own. I really appreciate that. I'm also a part of um, the Black Girls in Social Work, um, the, the member side of it, the paid part, and it's absolutely amazing um, for those who are interested in um, joining. I am um, a part of a lot of other, um, you know, social media, uh, mm -hmm. social work groups and things like that. And I've actually created a group for um, my local community of social service workers where we can share different resources. I, you know, pride myself on being extremely resourceful and um, a way to give back to my community is by, you know, giving back to other social service workers in this community and sharing resources that they may not be aware of. So that's one that I've created. And I also have created different safe spaces for, you know, family, friends, colleagues, um, and also several baby social workers. So, um, and, and I have a family full of social workers, like I mentioned before. So, you know, we have our own little community. I'm so glad you brought that up because you do, you have, a, I, I know one of your other family members, you do, you kind of came from a family of social workers, but yet you went into the nursing major, then the rehab major. And one of the things I'm fascinated by, especially having raised a social worker, is no one ever pressured you to go into the field. Do you mind speaking to how you came from a family social work, but social workers, but then you were able to still explore and then still ended up <laughs> in this field? Sure. Um, well, the reason I ended up um, in nursing to start with is because my brother was diagnosed with juvenile diabetes at the age of seven. And so as, as a big sister, I'm the middle child. So as the big sister, you know, um, it, it did something to me. Um, I was 14 when he was diagnosed. No, no, I wasn't 14. Let me think. I think I was 12. It doesn't matter. But anyways, um, and, you know, we spent a lot of time at UAB, at the Children's Hospital and things like that with him. And I saw the care and the, the concern that the nurses had. And it reminded me of myself. I've always been a very compassionate person. I've always been a leader, a natural leader, the mama of everybody, you know. Um, so that's how I ended up down the, the path of um, nursing and, you know, once I went over to speak with um, the chair of the department about social work and after hearing about the, the interview process, it kind of, you know, scared me. So I ended up with rehab in the field of rehab. But it, you know, I kind of got led back to social work after talking to, you know, my cousin, um, Linda, and, you know, just realizing that my family is full of social workers and they are doing some amazing work helping people just as nurses help patients, social workers. We do so much, you know, for so many people, you know, so and we, we have lots of variety. That's another thing. We can work anywhere. We are everywhere. 
we literally are everywhere. Thank you for, because I was like, I really wanted to know more about that. Tamika, what is a belief about the profession that you started off with that has changed for you the most since you've been on this journey? Um, let's see. I would, I definitely think that um, one belief is the money, the money. You know, everyone told me, you know, you're not going to make any money, yada, da, da, da. Um, but I, I disagree. I know that's not true. Um, before even obtaining my um, MSW, I started digging around and I saw like the six figure social worker and things like that. So I quickly realized that that wasn't true. And then after I got my LMSW, I definitely knew it wasn't true. And now that I have my LICSW, I don't want to hear anybody telling me that I can't make any money. So, Absolutely. You know, one of the things doing this podcast that it, I think, yes, that's still that narrative is still there that social workers don't make any money. Those who are in my sphere of influence know that that is not true. But now one of the new narratives that I'm starting to hear over and over is that the money is made in more dangerous professions, maybe like the prison or the psych hospital. You never worked in either one of those. And so yeah. I wonder if you could speak to even that part of the narrative shift of you can only make money in some of the uh, high turnover um, uh, institutions. Well, um, of course, I haven't worked in any of those, but um, I disagree with that statement because I'm constantly, that's a part of being resourceful. I, I enjoy finding jobs for other people. <laughs> so um, I've seen several jobs outside of those arenas where people can make money. Um, of course, you can make money um, in private practice. You can make money working with the feds. You can make money um, as a medical social worker. There's just so many different opportunities in different environments. They have social workers who work in HR, you know, because if we don't know anything else, we know people, you know. So there are just so many different opportunities to make money in social work outside of those dangerous places and you know it's never my goal to go towards either to be honest with you now watch I may end up in one <laughs> I said <laughs> no um I love that answer and I want to I'm going to dig just a little bit deeper one of the other things that I'm enjoying hearing is okay yeah now that we know we can make money I want to live the social work soft life I'm not Try, I want to have work-life balance, right? One of, I've made six figures a couple of times in my career. Um, and one of the times I got really sick, I was fat. I had diabetes, don't even more think in this. Um, psoriasis, I was sick, but I was making the money. So can we talk about um, ha being able to make the money and also have a balanced life, personal life? Well, in my opinion, um you know, I'm I'm not going to to go after anything that's going to not at this point in my life, you know, maybe earlier on, I would have felt led to do that. But I don't I don't feel led to do any of that. So um, I would just have to say that you kind of attract 
different things. I don't attract those um, unhealthy things or, you know, that stress. You know, one of my affirmations is um, that I live a life of ease that is stress-free. So that's, that's not attractive to me, but, you know, um, you know, to each his own, but I'm not interested in, and I'm not also, I'm also not chasing the money. I'm going to allow the money to chase me. The money is a plus and the money isn't, I, I want to make it real clear because I'm, I'm not money hungry or anything like that. The money that I make is of course, um, I want to be a wealth for my family and my children's children and things like that. But also I spend a lot of money giving back, you know, how can I be a social worker and not give back? You know what I mean? So um, that's why it's important so that I'm able to help other people as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. The last question, and this has been such a great conversation and thank you for saying yes. But one of the things we talked about, this is a tough profession for folks. You know, some folks, we have these narratives that we're not making any money or we're making money in these tougher positions. Or if we make the money, we're working 24-7. But here, talking to you, we're learning that it does not have to be that way, right? So for our social work audience out there who hear all these success stories and our horror stories, um, and maybe even struggling within their own careers, what advice would you give them? I would advise them to be resilient. Um, I would advise them to also um, operate in alignment. And if they are believers, I would also strongly advise them to, you know, seek God for for guidance. Awesome. Awesome. Tamika, thank you for coming on the Goddesses of Social Work podcast today. You were an amazing guest. Thank you for having me, Renita. I really appreciate this opportunity. And thank you for what you're doing for the profession. And my prayer for you is that this blows up and um, you're able to reach people all over the world. I receive it. I receive it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Goddesses of Social Work podcast. We are glad you were here. If you liked this episode, please come back to hear more stories of the journeys through social work and please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. See you next time here on the Goddesses of Social Work podcast.